Welcome to the Good Life EDU podcast presented by the Nebraska ESU Coordinating Council. I'm your host, Andrew Easton. Thanks for joining us as we discuss the latest in digital learning across Nebraska and around the country. All right, the Good Life EDU podcast is back once again today for our first actually return visitor. Going to welcome Otis Pierce back. In the first 20, you're going to have two of them, Otis. This is fantastic. I'm really uh, excited to talk with Otis today about the Perkins Cadre group that he's a part of uh, and to understand kind of what that group does in service of our schools and teachers statewide. Um, Otis is a professional development coordinator at ESU 7. And so, Otis, welcome to the podcast. Thanks. Glad I could uh, come back and have a repeat in the first 20 episodes. That's, that's kind of neat. The guinea pig and the first repeat. So. <laughs> hey, you're just a trailblazer with this, and I appreciate it. And then, you know, and in large part because I, I do want to say this, that Otis, Otis wears a lot of different hats, and I think many of our ESU employees statewide certainly do that, but uh, I appreciate what he brings with uh, every conversation. And this is one of a series of episodes that we're doing uh, to try to look at maybe more specific to content area, what are some resources that we can provide for educators uh, in particularly that remote setting? And so we're going to have a little conversation today about the Perkins Grant. This group helps to facilitate the funds that are associated with that, uh, what that means and for some of those teachers. And then we'll also delve into that remote learning conversation. But uh, Otis, in case people missed the inaugural episode, <laughs> which yeah. uh, may have happened since it was so new, will you introduce yourself, uh, give a little more background for us before we start talking a little bit more about career and technical education? Yeah, um, I work at ESU 7 in Columbus as a PD coordinator, mostly in charge of tech integration, but do a little bit of everything else. Obviously, Perkins Grant being one of those. I'm also a distance learning coordinator, media coordinator. I was a classroom teacher for 13 years, mathematics trained background. I do have a little bit of experience with career and technical education as my dad was a, at the time, it was called a shop teacher, which would be now skilled in technical science. He did woods, auto, welding, drafting, some computer stuff as well. So I do have a little bit of a background there with that. So Perkins is always fun and changes this year were, were quite a bit, but I think some good things, but it's been a lot of, a lot of work this past eight months to kind of get to where we are with, with the new Perkins 5 legislation. And, and that's where I'd like to start with our conversation today. So you're representing the Perkins cadre here. Mm -hmm. And just to say that, what exactly does that entail in the, the mm -hmm. full scope? And so for the people listening in, can you break down for us this Perkins cadre, uh, you support which teachers and, and what does mm -hmm. that kind of look like in your role? Well, the Perkins cadre is kind of ESU Perkins Grant coordinator. So we kind of coordinate Perkins Grant consortiums within each of our ESUs. So schools that receive less than uh, $15,000 of Perkins Grant funds from the Strengthening Career and Technical Education Bill through the legislature that's just called Carl Perkins. We kind of help coordinate that for the consortium. So anybody below $15,000 has to consort their money, become a larger group. So we we get together to kind of talk, hey, what are we doing in our ESUs? How are we writing our grants? How can we work together? The teachers that we support for career and technical education are ag education instructors, business education instructors, family and consumer science instructors, skilled and technical science instructors, and guidance counselors. Because guidance counselors are kind of part of that, hey, how are we getting kids college and career ready? Uh, and providing those opportunities to show them, hey, on the counselor side, here are some things that you can go and work for. Here are some things you can do, especially in the elementary where uh, Perkins 5 has brought that down, where approved money can be spent down to the fifth grade to kind of get that career awareness going. And then once they get into either one of those other force areas, 
they can really get specific with, you know, nursing or education or construction or agribusiness or ag mechanics or welding or, or whatever it might be. And we just help share each other's resources, bounce ideas off each other, saying, hey, what are you doing? Oh, that's great. How do you do that? Uh, and we work together quite a bit with that. And these consortiums then as schools uh, pool these funds and collaborate to make these learning opportunities available for students, as you're saying, there's times where that becomes professional development community. Uh, and mm -hmm. at the same time, I want to ask, is that where distance learning enters into the conversation at times where maybe one school will provide instruction from a teacher who will then have that instruction piped to another school? Is that, is that within the Perkins uh, scope of things at times? Yeah, that is. I actually have several schools within ESU 7 that do send uh, family consumer science classes uh, via DL. And that was, all schools went through a revision process this year as part of the Perkins 5 legislation for a comprehensive local needs assessment. And one of the questions was in there, if you can't, if, what are some of those distance learning opportunities that you could do to give kids if you don't have a family consumer science teacher? How can you give them a family consumer science course? You may not have a business instructor. How can you give them some business type things as well? So it is there. It can be done. It will look a little bit different depending on the subject, you know, especially with those hands-on, you know, like the skilled and technical sciences where you're out there in a construction class building something or welding something. That is going to look a little bit different. And there are quite a few schools that are going out and getting teachers that actually have industry experience to come in with some certificates through the NDE to get their teaching certificate to come in to the classroom to be teachers after they have been a welder for 10, 15 years and are wanting a change of pace or somebody that was in construction is coming in and doing some of those things. So that's, that's another avenue uh, for teachers uh, in schools to get those instructors if they don't have that distance learning ability also. And this thing is so tremendous. The importance is being, that's placed on making sure that those opportunities exist. Uh, like you, actually, my grandfather was, <laughs> would refer to himself as a shop teacher. Uh, mm -hmm. And so I, growing up, I know uh, that his students would speak to me when I was a little kid about how important it was for them to have uh, those uh, types of technical skills that really were things that these kiddos could be passionate about. And uh, I do appreciate, you know, just learning a little bit more about these consortiums and the ways in which you guys are looking to, to make sure that everyone has access to these types of courses, even if it's mm -hmm. not necessarily something that independently you could do within your own budget. And you talked a little bit in the midst of that, too, about well, with those distance courses that it looks a little different. Right. And I think something worth pointing out as we're talking distance learning and as a lot of schools are looking at remote learning, mm -hmm. that those two things are maybe a little bit similar in kind of the experience for some people in that dynamic, but they are mm -hmm. distinctly different. That a distance learning course is where you have a teacher on one campus that is leading students in person and also maybe remotely, if we want to talk about it that way, yeah. versus uh, you know the teacher teaching from home. Um, both of those situations pose challenges. It's worth noting too that if you lead a distance learning course from your school, you get funds from the government, mm -hmm. <laughs> which is great. Uh, and if you receive, you also get funds. And so I think it's worth pointing those out as we uh, uh, try to scale up those and you can access those resources through Invis. But all that kind of distinction aside, let's do take that shift to remote learning. Mm -hmm. What are these teachers going to do uh, in this environment where, I mean, I 
watch my grandpa teach at times and you start to look at all the different equipment and tools and resources mm -hmm. that if you're a, a welding teacher, if you're doing something in the area of carpentry, uh, what does that look like in a remote setting and how are teachers thinking about adjusting what they're doing this upcoming fall? You know, that's interesting. Um, it's kind of tough, especially where some of those courses are so hands-on and product-based, I guess you could say, you know, where the welding and the construction. There are some things that can be done remote, obviously, like the OSHA 10 certifications for, for safety and everything obviously can be done online, but I want the student to build, we're, we're in a construction class and we're building a, a shed. How can we do that in a remote setting? That's kind of tough to do. Or how can you build your wood shop project there? Because some kids aren't going to have access to, like you said, those specialized equipment, like a bandsaw or a planer or a lathe or in welding, you're not going to have a welding machine at home those kids that have access to that, yeah, are going to be able to do that, but you're going to have some that don't. So what are some of those things that if you are face-to-face, -face, what can they do right there with you in that time that you have with them? And then what can they take home and do at home? I think with the woods, just speaking out loud here is, you know, they could cut some of those things up and, and prep a lot of those pieces while they're there, but then the actual putting together could be done at home. You know, and maybe there are some tools at school that could be easily transported back and forth from home. It, it could be a, a battery powered cordless drill that goes back and forth, you know, or a drill or some tools like that that go back and forth. Family and consumer science, depending on the class, may be a little bit easier to do remote because they can cook at home and be recording it while it happens. I know I've heard some family and consumer science teachers this year were actually doing cooking demonstrations via Zoom, recording those doing the cooking demonstrations so the kids could do them at home. I know that's what my son did a lot at home too, was doing some cooking as a fourth grader. And in there, you're getting some math as well in some of those cooking pieces. Uh, you can do some of the sewing at home, you know, whether it's just a needle and thread or with a sewing machine. Business is obviously pretty easy to do, fairly easy to do at home as well. I won't say pretty easy, but fairly easy just because of all the accounting. You can do some things online and those are paper, pencil and everything. So I think it just depends on the, on the subject and teachers may have to think outside the box just a little bit. Uh, on how to do that, like we all are, uh, thinking outside the box with these things. So, you know, it, how are you using the best of your time when you're together and when you're apart are kind of some of those things to look at. Absolutely. And that's something I, I have a little bit of experience with uh, supporting a welding teacher uh, at Westside whenever I was there, John Bomback, And it was really great getting a chance to, to work with him on trying to develop some pieces that would allow for a little bit more flexibility for learner pace. Uh, and so we did, we recorded some welding videos and his students could then access that right before going to uh, about a certain welding technique. Uh, and he even said he had some students that took that home. And so as we're in this conversation, it made me think, yeah, maybe that's it. If, if your school is hybrid, right, where you're going to be there some days and, and not others, make those things available online, right? And, and watch the video the day before. So when you come in, maybe you can do two class periods worth of welding in one, um, not mm -hmm. to rush anybody for safety reasons, but yeah, take care of things like the safety video conversation prior to, and you can, mm -hmm. for whatever written test portion you might have as an assessment with those, like trying to do those uh, outside of your face-to-face -face time. Uh, and I have also talked with teachers that have said, hey, this just takes for me putting together like a packet uh, instead of a piece of paper, but of ingredients or of <laughs> materials, uh, like you're saying, that would allow them to do this uh, at home. And 
certainly there are not ideal, this is not an ideal situation in any regard. And so I really appreciate what you said too, that it is going to take some, some patience, maybe some cutting back of some things that we would really like to do, but, but maybe don't have the ability to do, but still finding ways to make those avenues, keep those open for those learners. Uh, and so for teachers that are looking to maybe expand their thinking with regards to teaching in a remote setting or in a hybrid setting, or even just their own professional development moving forward. Mm -hmm. What we're trying to do with this series is to think, hey, what resources are out there? So where could some of our career and technical education teachers find some support? Mm -hmm. Well, one place is obviously the ESU, you know, finding out uh, who that ESU Perkins coordinator is. They have a lot of ideas and a lot of resources. We share resources with each other or put it out to each other. And if you don't know who your ESU Perkins coordinator is, give a call to the ESU and ask, hey, who coordinates the Perkins grant? Or if you know somebody at the ESU, email them and say, hey, I'm looking for some Perkins type things or some ideas for ag education. Who can I go to at the ESU? And if you're not the person, can you forward it on to who it is? Another resource is the career education page on the NDE website, on the Department of Education website. All those field specialists keep a page up with a lot of resources as well and being able to contact them down there. They have a lot of resources that are available uh, as well as uh, ACTE, which is the National Career and Tech Ed Organization, um, has a great website with lots of great resources as well. I go there quite a bit for some things. I've been to their conference a couple of different times that has some great things. That is a national conference that is, uh, it's the first week in December this year uh, in Nashville. They kind of rotated it around a little bit, but it's just a, a conference for career and tech ed teachers, which is kind of cool to see as well. You know, having that where you can talk with just CTE teachers. It's not, I'm going to Nita and it, I have all variety and maybe one or two other ag ed instructors or skilled and technical science instructors. This one is specific there, as well as the NCE conference in June, you know, and getting together with your like folks, whether it's at NCE or if you have network meetings uh, at your service unit. Uh, here at ESU 7, I host network meetings one to two times a year for each group to get together and just talk. Um, I try and spend a little bit of time sharing some things, but then just open it up for them to just talk and share and hey what ideas are you doing what ideas do you have for this oh hey can i you know or creating content like that so there are a lot of places out there it's just reaching out and finding those those are some great ones that i just shared right there that would be useful and i'm sure there are many more as well but we always do some digging if we have to and at the ESU, they just say hey can you have have this so hey let's go <laughs> and that is i've appreciated as i get to know more and more people uh who are part of our network, uh, just uh -huh. how willing everyone is to just say, if we don't have the answer, we're going to do everything we can to, to find it and support you. Cause that's, that's what we do. We serve educators. Yep. We're going to, we're going to find a yes. We're, we're going to try and <laughs> yeah. find a yes. Uh, some way, somehow we may not know it right now, but Hey, I may know where to go to find it and mm -hmm. it may take me a bit to find it, but I'll find it for you. Oh, and I love that. And that's, uh, I'll throw out another resource too. I've had a great opportunity over the course of this summer to work with some of our blended learning, our digital age pedagogy initiatives. Uh, and they have actually collaborated with NDE and kind of the, the OER, our Nebraska mm -hmm. OER hub and the development of some remote learning plans. And while we don't have welding plans <laughs> in the, that particular uh, avenue, we did have uh, some of our business teachers, some of our FAC teachers to 
to have those teachers design uh, lesson plans and put those together in what we have is a, um, our auto generator. And so on a single mm -hmm. page, they can enter in the components of what is going to take place in their lesson. And when you hit submit, it emails you back this Google slide that organizes all of that and kind of makes it pretty is what I would say. And yeah. you can add hyperlinks in that to uh, make it a digital document. If you're going to share that, you know, through your LMS or something similar, uh, or you can print it off and mm -hmm. just have that be a nice one page view of what that particular lesson is going to entail. And so there are plans on there um, for those disciplines. You can access those there along with others. If you just want to see what people are doing in any content area. And so that's a resource as well. Um, Otis, what is your professional development support world going right now with all that? <laughs> Speaking of remote plans and, uh, you know, at this time as we're getting ready for the start of the school year. You know, I'm actually going out and talking, two of the schools that I'm going out and talking to next week are remote learning uh, and doing some remote learning plans and how do we do remote learning and what does it look like using that template. And obviously this is going to be all teachers kind of talking about it, breaking it down. And I think looking at that online and offline piece, which I think fits really well for career and tech education too, because there are going to be some online things that you can do. Like you'd said earlier, the, the safety videos or videos on a technique for welding and then the offline, what are some of those offline things that not only they can do at home to prepare for it, but then the offline when they are face-to-face -face and, and able to do it right there that they're practiced up and ready to go. And it may be making yourself a, like a training welding stick or something like that with pieces that they practice the hand movements as they're going through it or some of the, the saw safety pieces. What are you going to do when this, you know, running them through scenarios could be some of those offline pieces as well. Um, I think it's going to be interesting to see how work-based learning happens this year with that being part of Perkins 5 as well. That could also be some of that going out there and gaining that experience. They're still doing some of that welding. That could be their face-to-face -face experience and, and getting to do some of those things could be those work-based learning if, if they're allowed to do that, depending on the school and depending on the business as well. So that training is happening, how it's going to look for those teachers. Like we said earlier, it, who knows? Uh, they're going to have to be thinking out of the box. Pretty much most of our schools are starting face-to-face -face, uh, this year, which I think is a good thing to kind of get those relationships built and maybe some of those first skills going. But who knows if, when, how long they're going to be in a remote learning setting too. We, we don't know. I wish we had a crystal ball that could say, hey, this is going to end here. And but we don't. So we got to go with the flow and, and be flexible. Uh, and that's just so critical at this time. I, I, I couldn't agree more that we just understand the moment that we're in and stay positive within that and do the best we can on, on behalf mm -hmm. of kids with what opportunities are available to to be a, a positive influence on them and the, their day and their experience. And so having said that, I guess, is there any kind of final words or message that you'd like to to leave everybody listening in? You know, I think it is one, I thought about this earlier too, and there was a shift many years ago that we're trying to get all kids four-year college. All kids need to be ready for a four-year college. And that pendulum has kind of shifted back over to the, we need some of those, those career skills as well. And, and looking for how can we get dual credit in high school so the kids don't have to take as long in college? How can we get some of these certifications in high school as well for certifications for welding or certified nursing assistant or whatever it might be. How can we do some of those pieces? And I am going to put a plug in for EdReady 
too on this because there is alignment in EdReady with math for career and technical education. So some of those math skills that they're going to need, depending on what field they're wanting to go into, there are some of those things in EdReady that teachers can use, CTE teachers can use uh, as well. I'm going to go ahead and have you can, is there, elaborate on that, because I think that people are going, EdReady, what? Hold on. And, and so it's, it's definitely worth taking a few more moments here to just kind of uh-huh. that out a little bit. So go ahead. Well, EdReady is a nice piece. They have uh, developmental math, developmental uh, English as well. But on some of those math courses, it's developing those skills in math that students are needing for those career and technical education courses. It is personalized. This can be done in a remote setting. I'm glad I brought that up because now we're talking remote again. But those can be done in a remote setting so that it's, it's individualized and personalized for that student. So they're going to have take a pretest that says, hey, you're right here. Here's the goal you want to go to. Here is a study path for the math skills that you need for that career and technical education area. There's at least 20, I think, uh, areas in there. I'm not sure on the number, but it goes through all those skills. Here are the maths you're going to need to be a certified nursing assistant. Here's the math you're going to need for construction. Here's the math you're going to need for uh, culinary arts uh, so that they're ready to go for those. And maybe they don't have to take some of those remedial math courses when they get to a community college. If they're going into to culinary or diesel mechanics, they have those skills already so that they're saving themselves times as well. And, and can really get their college education done and out into the workforce uh, that much quicker. That's incredible. And it's awesome that those programs exist. And I know for students to have a goal and then to like have some support in seeing the path laid out before them to get there makes it attainable, right? And mm-hmm. it's for any of us. And, uh, and so it's terrific to see they're doing that, you know, particularly in the area of math for people who are looking to go into these types of professions. And, you know, just as you're talking, this is maybe a little ancillary, but I, I did not realize either that there's like a state championship for welding and there's a state mm-hmm. championship for plumbing and all the, I had some students actually yeah. in this past spring who uh, went and competed on a regional level and then, you know, placed and made it onto the state level competition. And uh, I just think that there are avenues out there worth exploring uh, that, like you said, this is there careers that are in high demand um, mm-hmm. careers that I think pay pretty well, you know, mm-hmm. and so these are, these are good opportunities for those learners. Um, if that's kind of where their aptitudes and interests lie. Uh, and so definitely finding ways to, to lay that path out before them and laying that path before them. is just critical. I think it's really important. Yeah. Those career and tech student technical organizations, CTSO programs like skills, USA, FFA, HOSA, ed rising, FCCLA, FBLA, you know, have those state and then those national competitions that they can win those and go on and compete on a national level. And so, yeah, that's another thing, you know, that CTE teachers are working on as well as how do I do this remotely as well. I know that the state leadership has gone over to kind of doing some of their remote learning where they used to go out to schools and in chapters and everything. And now they're kind of doing some of those remote and, and changing some of the state conferences and national conferences to remote things. They're making it work for right now. And those help push students forward as well in those areas that they choose. Well, uh, you're right. We're all making it work as best we yeah. can in present circumstances. Uh, and I really appreciate uh, your time sharing a little bit about how our ESUs 
through our Perkins cadre are really doing their best to support yeah, all these different career and technical uh, education courses. And uh, it just really is, is great to learn more about that and to share. And so thanks for the resources too. I hope, mm-hmm. uh, hopeful that those teachers uh, that are listening in can now maybe kind of look to some of those that they learned about over the course of the podcast today. And it's just awesome catching up with you, Otis. Yeah. Thanks for having me on again. You know, it's, yeah. always, it's, it's always fun to catch up and talk and, and share things that we're doing, not only at the ESU level at, at ESU seven, but uh, kind of on statewide that we all do in some form or fashion. Oh, well, and I, you know, if somebody else gets to two, yeah. I'll be sure to look you up to, so you could be the first person to be on for the third time. So you can be there. there go. <laughs> Got to keep there. Got to keep that record going. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Well, thanks so much for your time for sharing today. Yeah. Thanks a lot, Andrew.